Hey, this is Elia Einhorn. Welcome to the Talkhouse Music Podcast. This is our first in a special edition of podcasts where we take a moment to look back on the year that just passed and some of our favorite moments. So for today's episode, I'm joined by our music editor-in-chief, Brenna Ehrlich. Hello. And our marketing manager slash doer of all things, Dave Lucas. That's me. Now, we've all picked a few episodes from from this year, but before we jump in, I just want to sort of talk about this year for us at the Talkhouse Music Podcast, because it was pretty huge. We, we did a series of live podcasts at Samsung 837 in the Meatpacking District in New York City. We've also been working on a fantastic series at Sonos. And I'd say what we did this year also is building on the trajectory of the last couple years of the podcast, we've really gone deeper into hip hop, deeper into jazz. And, and for us, that was, that was a conscious decision. We really wanted to jump into genres and have leading lights in those areas talking about it. At the Talkhouse, we've always made a point to bring more exposure to genres that don't necessarily get the amount of coverage that certain other genres get. And totally. in the last year, possibly more than ever, we've had deeper dives into hip-hop, into jazz, even into theater. Um, and we're really excited to share all of that with everyone this year. That really sets it up for my first choice of one of my favorite moments. So Hamilton sort of took over America this year. Uh, this year started, let me say this, Javier Munoz, who is Hamilton now that Lin-Manuel Miranda has stepped down, is an old friend of mine. And I have never known anyone, and I've known people in a lot of successful bands uh, before their bands took off. I've never seen anyone achieve such meteoric success the year ended with President Obama thanking Javier for being a role model as, as a, a man who's Puerto Rican and who's out about a, having HIV for being such a positive influence in America. So this was a huge year for Javier Munoz. Now, I know Javi's tastes and I know that he loved Hedwig and the Angry Inch. So we decided for one of our Samsung series to invite John Cameron Mitchell, the creator of Hedwig, to chat with Javier Munoz of Hamilton. So we started off this year with Javier and um, John Cameron Mitchell speaking in our podcast, I believe it was in the spring, when we didn't know that we would end up having Trump as our president-elect. And we ended the year having Mike Pence the vice president-elect uh, attending Hamilton and having the cast of Hamilton confront him and having all these Pepe the Frogs attack Javi <laughs> on Twitter. And, <sighs> you know, he really became a role model. You know, if, if a man who has been diagnosed with cancer and HIV can look these evil people in the face and say, I don't care what you think and what you say, then, then we all can. It was such a powerful moment, and uh, and he really has become a role model for, for so many people. Here's a clip where you get to hear Javier Munoz talk about how much of a role model John Cameron Mitchell was for him. Let's roll it. With Hedvig, it, it, I never thought of speaking for any you know community. It's not really a transgender story or a, a plea for rights or anything, but it's a specific person who was kind of forced into a situation by circumstance and by mm -hmm. a weird political, very macho kind of way of looking at the world and finds herself in a situation where recreation is necessary or death is the only option, other option. Yeah. And it's been kind of exciting to see that that story 
originally based on a Plato story about the origin of love, has translated to a lot of cultures, a lot of religions, a lot of ways of thinking, and be useful as a story about finding yourself and not, you know, what do you do when you're not fitting in? You know, can that be actually a benefit in the long run to your uniqueness, loneliness to empowerment? And uh, um, who would have, you know, who would think that, a, you know, a theater piece would do that? Because right. that's not really, it's a fringe thing in the, in the scheme of things. Yes. Yes, indeed. But that, that uh, I must take the opportunity to say that that's, that's the profound impact it had on my life was, was the, at the time, the lack of, 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 uh, or the void of, of a presence of a representation that was positive and empowering and uh, reflective of sort of the, the inner workings in, in me that I, I didn't have a representation until you created this thing. And, and, wow. and it was very profound for me. Well, I think the same thing is happening (laughs) with Hamilton and it's going to live on in its, in its, in many different ways. It sounds like, you know, Lynn has a lot of plans for it. Yeah, he does. And, and I hope, I think, you know, I, I, I think the greatest impact for being part of it is, is the diversity of the cast Mm -hmm. and, and that. And that's something that is part of the policy. Right, it's like yeah. keeping that diversity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 that's you know that's the part of the person who can't come see the show that sort of you know I I always it sort of almost you know kind of breaks my heart. It's like mm-hmm. you really need to see it. Like yeah. I'm so thankful we have a, the the recording to go out and the book to go out and and all those things and eventually a tour and. And and I and and it's really it's the impact of of that representation of of seeing your seeing you up there right in some positive way and and, and could I ever play Alexander Hamilton eventually? <laughs> Lynn said he wanted to play Hedvig. There you go. Yo, swap. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that clip for for so many reasons. There's so much love between them. It's just so inspiring for me to see somebody who's carrying the message so hard right now at such a critical time have a moment to pay homage to someone who really paved the way for him. Yeah, and you realize that what's happening with Hamilton is not out of nowhere. It's built on the context of the art that they grew up loving. And through this conversation, you see the ripple effect that someone like John Cameron Mitchell has on someone like Javier Munoz. It was a personal experience Javi had with Hedvig that now translates into this huge mainstream message that is representational of so many people who, you know, didn't grow up with anyone to look up to in the in the more mainstream arts. Um, and so it's just really exciting to see the source of that and where that's coming from um, and not just view it as this thing that magically started happening. Yeah, and it was great. There was a, a really good audience, I remember, for this one with a lot of younger theater kids. We, we must have had like 50 or 75 kids hanging out waiting to come in to watch this podcast live out, outside of Samsung 837 before they opened the store. And and it was so powerful to me to, to look out at the crowd as, as I came in. Um, there was a bunch of kids wearing uh, 
Lady Gaga, like homemade Lady Gaga jackets. And I just thought John Cameron Mitchell was such a part of this for all of us, just opening all of our minds. And I really enjoyed seeing that. Listeners, you can check out this full podcast and all of the podcasts we're talking about and, and all the ones that we don't have time to talk about at soundcloud.com slash the talk house. Now, Dave, I want to move to your pick and, and to set that up, what we did here at the Talkhouse Music Podcast is set up backstage. Thank you so much to Pitchfork Festival for facilitating this for us. We had a trailer backstage at Pitchfork Music Festival in Chicago, and we recorded artists that were taking part in the fest. So, for example, we had Shamir speaking with Aaron Main of Porches. We had Broken Social Scenes Kevin Drew with Julia Holter. Tell us about the one you picked that we recorded there in Chicago. I picked our um, podcast with Thundercat and Kamasi Washington, who, as much as I'm a fan of both of their music, I was not aware that they had such a personal history. Nor was I. These guys go way back. They go way back. And they just had these great personalities. They had so many funny stories. They couldn't get through a few minutes without just laughing hysterically. And, uh, And they talked so much about being career musicians and growing up with parents who were musicians and what it was like to be visionaries who were playing for other people. This clip starts with Kamasi describing his past working with Thundercat and bands. It's like because we were all such individuals and we and we maintained that, like even through getting fired from off gigs. Oh man, and, the and fired like, stories. Getting, that getting should be a t-shirt. Out. That should yeah. be part of your like merch. <laughs> yeah. Fired with an explanation. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're fired. Like you know, if you're gonna be individual, you will be cussed out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> in public so many, on a stage. On so many levels. <laughs> so many levels, man. <laughs> we all have our little stuff. You can come back to the house and say, What happened, man? Man. Slim <laughs> going trip because I took a 25 minute solo. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> some real shit, man. You know, I'm not expecting you to, like, you know, like, a lot of the time, especially when you plan, there's cats that always, like, you know, there's nobody has a gauge of, like, what is, like, intense or like you know really like you know watered it's like it's almost like there's a very gray area a lot of the time unless you play or your your ears are that in tune so it's like you know we we grew up kind of hard line like i was saying playing don't leave the stage idle for about <laughs> for about more than five don't sneeze with ronald with ronald playing don't don't sneeze with ronald in the band uh. a sneeze was just loud enough for him to get like like several 30 second notes in <laughs> and for you to just get confused and be like did somebody was my sneeze that loud or was it was like it was intense like oh, yeah, then, was Snoop. Yeah, like, and then Ronald and Steven got a little funny little sense of humor like, no. they like throwing people off so now you're playing and they're trying to throw you off they trying to confuse you. And I know it. And I'm like, <laughs> look at these. By playing like a slight hair. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, changing one note of the chord and Ronald going to sit the beat just ever so slightly. And now they're lost. And they're over there giggling and laughing to each other. And I'm like, you know we're going to get fired, right? They're going to fire me too. <laughs> it's coming for all of us. Yeah, we all going to get fired. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I need this gig. Yeah, like you and your homeboys. So you're like, wait a minute. Like. <laughs> we yeah. try to try to distance ourselves. We try to come over to Leah like, yeah, it's crazy what they were doing, right? <laughs> Don't make no <laughs> sense whatsoever. Just talking. ignorant. Just ignorant. I just don't even understand it. <laughs> I saw you laughing too, Kamasi. You fired too. Like, oh. <laughs> that conversation was one of our favorites of the year across the board here at the Talk House. Let's be honest. We all left with friend crushes on 
Thundercat in Kamasi, Washington. We're sitting here re-listening to this laughing. I mean, we're laughing here in the studio. It's still funny. There's so much about them that's so fantastic. But one of the things is the way that these guys are so silly about working with such amazing talent. Like there, they're laughing about working with Snoop Dogg. And, uh, And in another part, of the podcast, they're talking about working with Kendrick Lamar. You know, I mean, their names really exploded when they worked on To Pimp a Butterfly. There's this amazing moment where Kamasi uh, is talking about how he wouldn't mess up Kendrick's record. Check this out real quick. Oh, so we don't got to hide. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, man, when did this happen? Yeah. We've been hiding on records for decades. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, now we get to like actually, you know, be ourselves. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really... Wow, okay. This is cool. And so it was like, they kept telling me too, like, come on, you don't got to, because I was so used to like, okay, I'm, I'm going to sneak a little sharp 11 in here, right? <laughs> Just for a split little second. Nobody going to know it's there but me. And they're like, come on, you don't got to do all that, man. Just go ahead and yeah, just put it in there. I'm like, yeah, man. like shh. Can't you go hear you? <laughs> don't listen to them, Kendrick. I ain't going to put no strange notes in your, in right, your songs. Right, right, right. So one of my favorite things this year has been these conversations between friends or people who have worked together a lot. It's it's like this fly-on-a-wall conversation that you never get as a music fan. Definitely. You can just pretend you're part of it, even though you probably couldn't get a word in edgewise unless, in this case, you talked about video games because they talked about video games for a long time. They went deep on video they games. They went real Anime. deep. <laughs> like, just picturing Kamasi Washington and Thundercat, like, sitting in all of their jewelry playing video games is, like, a hilarious image in my head. But, yeah, it's, it's just for a music fan to be able to sit there and watch these people just kind of bro down <laughs> is awesome. You just get to see this other side of artists that, you know, they don't have their PR-approved quotes in hand. There's no, like, media training going on. It's, it's just, you know, guys or girls or whatever, having a conversation. And it's so cool to see. A hundred percent, Brenda. That, that, that's exactly what we want for the Talkhouse Music Podcast. We tell artists, this podcast starts where your talking points, the ones that you give to all the, the magazines and the little blurbs, we start where those stop. Uh, and, and parenthetically, that, that particular episode, Kamasi and Thundercat, that was released as, as part of a Pitchfork Music Festival twofer with a one-question wonder, Carly Rae Jepsen talking to Brian Wilson. So definitely check that one out if you haven't heard it yet. Oh, I have a tie-in to the next one based on that. What is it? Um, just the, the chair. The chair. Tell them about the chair. Yeah, so <laughs> we were leading Spencer Tweedy to our trailer to talk to Whitney, um, which was one of my favorite podcasts. You know, young Chicago musicians. Uh, Spencer is one of our contributors um, of the band Tweedy, um, who you might know from, you know, Jeff Tweedy of Voco. He's written a couple pieces for the site, right? Yeah, he's written a few, um, you know, about uh, Run the Jewels, uh, collecting vinyl. But I was leading Spencer over to the trailer, and there was Brian Wilson's chair sitting out, which was a leather recliner, (laughs) and it had a sign on it that said, um, Brian Wilson's chair, do not sit. In the Pet Sounds font. In, oh, yes, it was. <laughs> like, like whoever printed this, this is just like an eight and a half by 11 white sheet of paper. Brian Wilson's chair, do not sit. And, and I got to say, the chair was beat up too. Oh, yeah, it was like from his, it looked like it was from his living room. It, right, right, right. Like yeah. it seems like this is the chair that Brian Wilson falls asleep to watching old films, right? That yeah, yeah. sort of had that feel about it, right? It was his chair. Like it's, you know, he brought it from home. Um, 
<laughs> so I was leading, we were, we were walking with Spencer over to the trailer and I was trying to show Spencer the chair and I noticed Brian Wilson was in the chair and then I promptly fell into Spencer. Um, so that's my, yes, that's my moment. Right from, in front of Brian. <laughs> that's not the reason why it was my favorite podcast. But um, yeah, it was really cool to see these young, these young up and coming musicians from Chicago. And I believe they decided to hatch a collaboration within this podcast, which is so cool to see and sometimes happens in our podcasts. We've, I think Elia can expand on some of the collaborations. Oh, sure. I mean, one of the magical moments for me was Genesis P. Orridge calling me after they recorded the podcast with Laura Jane Grace to say, Laura and I are going to work on some music together. And uh, an example, just yesterday, not yesterday for when you hear this, but yesterday for when we're recording this, at the Sono Store, we had the Flaming Lips Wayne Coyne in conversation with legendary hip-hop producer Prince Paul. Well, Wayne says during the podcast, we've got to work together. And afterwards, I'm in the booth and they exchange cell phone numbers. So, I mean, this stuff happens. You know, we've seen projects come to fruition. And so, Brenda, tell us about this clip that you picked between Whitney and Spencer Tweedy. So the clip we're about to play, um, Spencer, as you might know, is a drummer. And so is Julian Ehrlich, no relation to me. Of Whitney. I'll believe um, you many wouldn't. <laughs> Julian, you know, is the, the singer and drummer of the band, which, as you know, in music, it's pretty rare. Right. He does this simultaneously. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. It's not like he's yelling and drumming and he's beautifully crooning and drumming. But um, they start talking about drumming. And I think maybe there's a, a collaboration in the works after this conversation. Julian, that's one of the things that makes me love Whitney so much is... Uh, I really love your drumming and Thanks. that's like I feel like it's closer to that that time where it's like you got to hit it the drums light you know you yeah, got, yeah. you can't murder the drums yeah and yeah I wanted to ask you if uh I ever want to move to just like full-time frontman you want to play drums Oh absolutely <laughs> dude <laughs> I don't know if that's serious, but it's as serious as it seems right now. <laughs> this is the talk house business hour. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I yeah. I read that we were gonna do this interview last night and then I thought it would probably come to this. Mm -hmm. So I was gonna just just gonna ask you and have it be documented. I mean, what a cool moment. What a fucking cool moment. Because I've got to say, I do think this is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, they live in the same area. I believe um, Spencer invited them to the Wilco studio. Well, I would say they invited themselves. They invited actually, themselves, yeah. To, to the podcast. But, but yeah, Spencer was more than happy. Evidently, he and Jeff Tweedy are huge fans of their work. So it's, it's not just Spencer, but Jeff has been listening to the record. Yeah, and as gearheads, Whitney couldn't help asking about the Wilco loft, which I think... Uh, for any fans of Wilco, is a really fun thing to hear about later on in this podcast. They go so deep that our engineer, Mark Yoshizumi, had to edit out the location of the loft <laughs> because Julian's describing the restaurant across the street they eat at. And yeah, yeah. So they're yeah. pretty familiar. Yeah. They're very familiar. They're fans. Now, the Talk House made a lot of news this year, and 99.9% .9 of it was all awesome stuff, all amazing things that artists had done. So, for example, Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill and Julie Ruin announced that La Tigra were reuniting. During the podcast with DJ Shadow and Clams Casino, Shadow dropped the news that he was releasing a 20-year remix record of Introducing and that Clams was going to be on it. Brenna, tell them about the headlines we made with the Juliana Hatfield piece. Oh yeah, Juliana Hatfield um, had a previously unshared note from Kurt Cobain 
um, in her possession that she shared with us, um, including an essay about whether or not she should sell it. But I don't think she ever will. But yeah, that that got spread around quite a bit. That was huge. And I mean, you know, we, we could go on and on, but look at our press page. The, the proof's all there. But But listen, this was the one time when something that an artist said actually generated some negative press. And this was a really interesting conversation. It was a multifaceted conversation and that the guys are just sitting backstage and sort of riffing. They, they, they told us that they didn't want any topics. They, they're friends and they just wanted to jump right in. So this is a conversation between the Wu-Tang Clan's RZA and Interpol's Paul Banks, collectively the new band Banks and Steels. This is Paul asking RZA about the, the hugely controversial president of the Philippines, President Duterte, specifically about his insulting President Obama and his cry for vigilante violence against drug dealers and drug users. Check this out. Mr. Duerte, listen, your policy of getting rid of drugs out of your country is a strong move you're doing. Uh, doing it with violence and killing people is definitely reminiscent of the opium wars that China had faced, and they had to actually take it to that extreme. Uh, I'm an advocate. I don't think drugs should be so heavy in our communities either because of what it caused people to do, but... Don't you ever get the gall in your mouth and heart to call the president of the United States the son of a whore. And I, I don't, first of all, you don't never do that, kid. Come to my neighborhood. Come to, come to Staten Island with Seriously. that. Seriously. You know what I mean? And I don't care if it's, if it's Miss Clinton becomes the president, Mr. Trump. And I don't care if it's Mr. Bush. I don't care if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's Mr. Kennedy. I don't care whatever you win. You don't call the president of the United States, the son of a whore. Now, there's so much to unpack here, but just a couple things. One is, how fucking amazing is it that RZA just hijacks, he stops talking to Paul and he starts speaking directly to President Duterte and he calls him kid and he tells him to come to Staten Island and, and insult Obama. Well, that's what happens when you're the RZA. Well, I just think it's funny that that's what he objects to, not this president personally killing Oh, right, right, right. I mean, it's so amazing because in typical Wu-Tang style, well-known for their love of Shaolin and Kung Fu and everything, he goes to China and he starts talking about these poppy wars and he doesn't care at all that he's doing that, but it really bothers him that he insulted Obama. Yeah, it's it's a complicated opinion and he shares a lot of complicated opinions on that episode. Um, but what you're seeing is a really unguarded conversation. Like you're really, you're really getting what, Riz's true opinion is on the matter like throughout the whole episode like it's not guarded it's not PR friendly and there are things he he talks about that are hard to defend um, but it's real he's being super real throughout this whole episode I mean in this podcast he specifically praised Trump President-elect Trump um, for, for get, a great speech for a great speech which you know how many months later was it that Kanye did the same thing um, which earned him so much ire from the music community. This shows just how enmeshed politics were in art last year and they will be this year, that you can't be a supporter of a political candidate or a politician without being anti-arts in in some respects. Um, It would be nice if everybody could support the candidate of their choice without being considered some kind of enemy. But, you know, in this climate, there are, there's, there's, you know, intolerable people which is, you know, just goes to show why nobody is playing the inauguration except for, who is it? It's just like a second runner-up in 
a reality show. I, I will say it was really interesting to hear Riza, one of the most visible New Yorkers of the last couple decades, contextualizing for me some of Trump's behavior as a New Yorker. There's a great metaphor that Riza builds about going in to get a slice of pizza. And if you don't want that slice, the guy's just going to send you on your way. And that slice is going to someone else. There's, you know, the sort of next ideology that rules so much in New York. Riza really calls that out. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it, it, the music community quickly showed that they really they really don't agree with Riz's assessments of Donald Trump, but at the same time, he's providing a perspective that is obviously uh, dominant in our country. That that it, you know, it's important to understand why somebody would go out and vote for Donald Trump, and and surprisingly, Riza showed us some of those reasons. Now, now, if I had to bet, I'd say that by the time the election came around, Riza did not vote for Donald Trump. That's just my guess. I can't say for sure. And I will say that despite RZA stirring up some ire among some fans of the Talk House and of the Wu-Tang Clan, we recently invited him back. I love the RZA. And RZA, I'll take a nod from you and I'm just going to speak right to you. RZA, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. And man, I cannot wait to get you back on. Now, the last clip that we have for you guys today is another of Brenna's favorites. This was part of the series that we did live at Samsung 837. We had a huge audience for this one. Who knew that the Zombies fan club was still so vital? We had like 100 people show up. The, the bleachers were full. They're watching on this three-story screen, and they're surrounding the booth. So this is a conversation between Zombies and a band that they love. They asked to speak with a band based out of New York called Hollis Brown. And in this conversation, they made headlines again. Brenna, tell us about this piece. First of all, I have to give a shout out to Daniel Ralston, who is a videographer, writer, who wrote a pretty long piece for BuzzFeed that came out pretty soon after we did this podcast about the very strange story of the fake zombies, which the guys talked about on our podcast as well. And it's just the craziest story you've ever heard. And I'll let them tell it. <laughs> Throw Wasn't there bottles. a Texas band back in the early 70s that were parading around town as the zombies? Do you know who did? Billy Gibbons, I think you told me, right? Was no, it? it became ZZ Top. Yeah. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. They were playing as the zombies? That they were, yeah. We, we, we no recently knows. found out that, 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 you know, when Time the Season was the number one hit, then obviously people try to capitalise on it. And we stopped. Except for you. Except for us, yeah. <laughs> Except for us. So there's some fake zombies going around, and we managed to stop most of them. But we much later learned that one of the fake zombies went on to become as easy to Is that right? <laughs> They're a great band. I oh, like that wonderful. Band. Amazing band. Wonderful band, yeah. We're, mm. we're thinking of going out and forming as easy top tribute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if I could grow the beard, but uh, uh, no, no, we no. can have a go. Yeah, we can have a go. Just so hilarious. Yeah, that was crazy to discover. And also just the entire, getting the whole story of the zombies was fascinating. They're, it was like an oral history. It was great. They're this band that has, they have these like mega hits on the radio that you could turn on any classic rock station and there's a good chance you'll hear a zombies song within the hour. Um, but then they also have these, these classic gems like throughout Odyssey and Oracle. And to find out that they had basically broken up before reaching any success and had to reunite several times and, and all the, the strange path that they took to success and then seeing that they're still working together now and putting out new music is just, is, it was phenomenal to be in the room to hear them talk about that. And they had a great story about what meeting Elvis's dad. Yeah, hanging out with Elvis's dad, <laughs> taking a tour of Graceland. And then didn't they see that they had one of their songs on Elvis's jukebox? They found out later on. Yeah. 
So, I mean, for these stories and, and for so many more about the zombies and, and so many more podcasts, check out soundcloud.com slash the talk house. Guys, thank you for spending a little bit of time with me looking back. Now, looking forward, here we are, beginning of January 2017. We already have a few amazing podcasts that are going to be coming out this month and next. We have Kendra Foster, who co-wrote and sang on so much of Black Messiah with D'Angelo, speaking with Gossip Girl star and mother frontman Penn Badgley. We have Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips in conversation with the legendary Prince Paul. And we have The Replacements' Tommy Stinson in conversation with the MC5's Wayne Kramer. Dave, give us a pitch. Thanks so much to everyone who listens. If you have a second, please subscribe rate and review the podcast we want to hear from you and we want to hear what's working for you thanks again and make sure to check out talkhouse.com daily for written pieces by some of our podcast stars and other musicians that you might be a fan of a quick thank you to the rest of the team ian wheeler is our publisher dan petruzzi is our president and mark yoshizumi is our head engineer thank you so much to the readers of the talkhouse and the listeners of the talkhouse music podcast we're all so excited for this coming year thanks for listening 